Good morning. The Subcommittee on Indian and Insular Affairs will come to order. Without objection, the chair is authorized to declare recess of the subcommittee at any time. The subcommittee is meeting today to hear testimony on challenges and opportunities for improving health care delivery in tribal communities. Under committee rule 4F, any oral opening statements at hearings are limited to the chairman and the ranking minority member. I therefore ask unanimous consent that all other members' opening statements be made part of the hearing record if they are submitted in accordance with committee 3O. Without objection, it is so ordered. I will now recognize myself for an opening statement. Through treaties and federal statutes, the federal government has assumed the responsibility of providing health care for American Indians and Alaska Natives. The Indian Health Service, or IHS, is the primary agency charged with providing health services to Native people and tribal communities throughout the United States. IHS provides an array of medical services to Native people, including inpatient, ambulatory, emergency, dental, public health nursing, and preventative health care. The agency provides for health care in two ways, by direct service and through self-determination compacts and contracts. Direct service health care is care provided by federal employees, doctors, nurses, and health care professionals directly to American Indians and Alaska Natives. Beginning in the late 1970s, Congress granted authority to tribes for self-determination compacts and contracts of IHS services through the Indian Self-Determination and Education Assistant Acts, or ISDIA, meaning that a tribe could independently operate their own tribal health care facilities. However, ISDIA does not remove the responsibility that the federal government has taken upon itself to provide for the care of American Indians and Alaska Natives. American Indians and Alaska Natives have much lower health outcomes than the average American, including lower life expectancy and higher levels of disease, including diabetes and heart disease. Currently, a Native person's life expectancy is five and a half years less than the average American. The IHS mission is to raise the physical, mental, social, and spiritual health of American Indians and Alaska Natives to the highest level. To meet this mission, there is a lot of work to do, and IHS must do better. IHS has long been plagued with issues of substandard medical care, various personnel issues, poor staff performance, aged facilities and equipment, unqualified staff, backlogs in billing, and claims collections, and others. Many of these issues first came to national attention in 2010 when a Senate report was issued on the utter failings of the IHS facilities in the Great Plains area. For over a decade, the Health and Human Services Inspector General and the Government Accountability Office have indicated that inadequate oversight of healthcare continues to hinder the ability of IHS to provide an adequate quality of care despite continued increases in the agency's budget. In 2017, the GAO placed IHS on their high-risk list as one of the government programs and operations vulnerable to waste, fraud, and abuse. While IHS has made some progress on key recommendation, more work remains. 
In the GAO's 2021 update, it indicated that IHS still had seven open recommendations at the end of 2020, one of which was from 2017, and it had still not yet been completed. This includes recommendations on developing processes to ensure effective delivery of care, to prevent provider misconduct and substandard performances, and to collect information to inform agency decisions on resource allocation and staffing. In 2023, IHS began developing and implementing an agency work plan to make an immediate impact on the Indian health system and align processes with the IHS mission and strategic plan developed in 2019. These are good starting steps, but that is just what they are, starting steps. It would have been helpful to hear from the director of IHS today and how, is, how they are implementing the plan and what steps remain. However, despite ample notice of the hearing date and the importance of the subject matter of today's hearing, the IHS declined to be with us today. I am deeply troubled with the Department of Health and Human Services in the IHS in their lacked capacity to prepare for this hearing. I want to thank the witnesses that are here, and I look forward to their testimony. The chair now recognizes the ranking minority member for her statement. Thank you so much, uh, Madam Chair. I think this is a very important and welcome hearing uh, because of the importance of making sure uh, that we do meet our trust obligations and that we uh, continue to seek the healthiest uh, of uh, outcomes for our uh, Native Americans. Um, you know, the Indian Health Service has been the topic of numerous hearings um, before this committee, including I think we looked at that as a very first hearing in the 117th Congress because we were dealing with the aftermath uh, and what did we need to, need to do moving forward uh, af as in dealing with the pandemic. But as the chair noted, IHS provides critically culturally competent health services to American Indians and Alaska Natives across the, the US through its own facilities and important through tribally operated facilities and Indian organizations, which we have with us today, which is I think some of the brightest points with regards to the provision of healthcare uh, in this nation for uh, Native Americans. Uh, but unfortunately, as tribal leaders, organizations, and studies like the US Broken Promises Report have noted, Congress has grossly underfunded uh, IHS, IHS compared to its need. Uh, the I agency's per capita expenditure per person was only $4,078 in fiscal year 2019, compared to the average US national health expenditure of 9,726. We are talking about half what is needed. Uh, American Indians and Alaska Natives uh, face steep health inequities compared to these other population groups in the United States, which makes that figure even more alarming. Uh, as noted, uh, tribal citizens maintain life expectancies around 5.5 years less than US citizens. They experience higher death rates in many categories, including chronic liver disease and cirrhosis, diabetes, suicide, and chronic lower respiratory diseases. Decades of federal underfunding stymie IHS's <laughs> ability to provide healthcare services to Indian country. 
Um, I'm also concerned that IHS 1993 Healthcare Facilities Construction Priority List, which originally contained over 40 facilities identified as high need, remains incomplete. We know that IHS hospitals have an average of 40 years, which is almost four times greater than other U.S. hospitals. In my own district, Navajo Nation citizens have been on the agency's sanitation uh, facilities construction list for years. They still lack access to crucial water lines in the interim. This is outrageous and unacceptable, and we should raise our voices against it regularly and often. Uh, too many tribal patients simply experience inadequate access to healthcare. Let's be clear. We all know this in this panel today, that the federal government has not fully delivered on its trust and treaty promises to Indian country, especially in this arena. Last Congress, we began to address that. We passed the bipartisan infrastructure law to deliver $3.5 billion for IHS sanitation facilities. We also improved, approved advanced appropriations. I know many of you are gonna to speak to that and I am adamant that we need to make sure we keep at least advanced appropriations uh, going forward. Uh, and it was because of the bipartisan work uh, with leaders like the late Congresswoman Don Young. This has always been a bipartisan effort to make sure that IHS is funded, if not mandatory, then definitely an advanced appropriations. Because we now know that those advanced appropriations are not permanent, and that is something I look forward to working with uh, the Republican uh, colleagues to see if we can get that done. Uh, since we got it for two years uh, um, last cycle, and let's see if we can make it mandatory. According to the Tribal Budget Formulation Workgroup's fiscal year 2024 request, the total need, the total need for IHS in the upcoming year is $50 billion. For too long, tribal healthcare providers have faced uncertainty in the annual budget process, and it's high time we fix that. While we certainly have broader budget discussions on this committee in the coming months, I want to note today that the enacted budget and the budget request for recent years come nowhere near the estimate of need. That's why I'm concerned about the recent Republican budget proposal, which will revert this year's budget back to fiscal year 2022 enacted levels. For IHS, that would amount to just 6.6 .6 billion. We know that's not enough. For example, that would mean IHS would have to reduce outpatient services by nearly 1.6 million visits. 1.6 million visits will go away. Uh, dental visits would be reduced by 120,000, mental health visits by nearly 90,000, and the outpatient services by 4,000. If we saw a 22% reduction in funding levels, the numbers would be even worse. So today I look forward uh, to learning from our expert panel about what you believe Congress and this subcommittee must do to improve healthcare services. And once again, I'm a big fan of subcontracting and compacting. I worked on several of those efforts and you know, the health boards delivering services in Hemis Pueblo at Santo Domingo Pueblo are exemplary. And I look forward to hearing from your testimony today. Thank you very much. Now I will introduce our witnesses. Ms. Janet Alkire, board member for the National Indian Health Board, Washington, D.C. Ms. Jerry Lynn Church, executive director of the Great Plains Tribal Leaders Health Board, Rapid City, South Dakota. Ms. Laura Platero, executive director of the Northwest Portland Area Health Board, Portland, Oregon. And Ms. Maureen Rosette, board member for the National Council of Urban Indian Health, 
Washington, D.C. Welcome. Thank you for coming. I know several of you traveled quite a long distance, and we appreciate your willingness to come and discuss these incredibly important issues with us. Let me remind the witnesses that under committee rules, they must limit their oral statements to five minutes, but their entire statement will appear in the hearing record. To begin your testimony, please press the talk button on the microphone, and we use timing lights. When you begin, the light will turn green. When you have one minute left, the light will turn yellow, and at the end of the five minutes, the light will turn red, and I will ask you to please complete your statement. I will also allow all witnesses on the panel to testify before member questioning. The chair now rec recognizes Ms. Janet Elkire for five minutes.